0: Welcome to Dead Folks Tales, a New Orleans-centric podcast exploring Southern Gothic stories, history, and hauntings with your host, paranormal and fantasy author, Nola Nash. Find out more at NolaNash.com. Now, let's talk about dead people.
1: Hello and welcome, if you are watching, this is part two of our special. Today we just finished up a ghost hunt or a glowing tombstone hunt with author Laura Kemp in Michigan. And David with New Orleans Ghost uh, Ghost Hunters was actually kind enough to join us, so thank you David for doing that. And David Lavelle, right? Right. David LaVille is here, and David, tell us a little bit about New Orleans Ghost Hunters, what you guys do, how you guys got started.
0: Well, it's kind of of a long story. Um, You know, I was born in New Orleans, and at the age of five or six, my parents moved to Metairie. Uh, We built built a house brand new in Metairie, right by East Jefferson Hospital. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was nine years old when my younger brother was born, and uh, he was about a year old. And he was in the back room of the house, which was the nursery, and I was playing with him. And I happened to glance down the hallway, and I noticed coming off the stairs, kind of like floating off the stairs across the hallway into the front bedroom, uh, was a ghostly figure. I mean, I could see right through her. And she reminded me of my great-grandmother. Oh. So that was like the, the first experience I had. And it, it it didn't scare me. I was like, whoa, I just, I just saw something. You know, I just saw a ghost. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people see a ghost they have the same experience. It's not like it really doesn't scare them. You know, they, they kind of realize they saw a ghost.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, as the years went on, I continued to see stuff, experience stuff, uh, hear stuff, and you know, I would experience three knocks on walls and windows before, you know, somebody would die. So it's stuff like that would happen. And my younger brother, um, he also experienced stuff as he was as he was growing up, and it happened so often that. I thought it happened to everybody. I, I thought it was quite normal, you know? Yeah. Um, so back in was about 2009, I believe it was. I, I don't watch much television, but I was flipping through the channels, and they had this show coming on called Ghost Hunters, Taps. And I said, this sounds like an interesting program. I don't even know what a ghost hunter was. I don't even know you could ghost hunt, you know? I, I didn't know you could capture evidence of this stuff. So yeah. I watched it, and I said, wow, this is pretty interesting. You could actually capture evidence of this stuff. So that kind of got me thinking to form uh, a ghost hunting group, and that's what we did in 2010. I was I was at dinner with a uh, friend of mine, Keith Casella. We were having dinner with our girlfriends, and the topic of ghosts and paranormal came up, and I said, you know, hey, let's let's start a ghost hunting group. We'll call ourselves I don't know New Orleans Ghost Hunters. And that's how we came up with our name. And uh, he went home and he ordered some equipment, and I went home and I ordered some equipment, and I. T- start on our website. So that's basically how we started. And I called my brother, my younger brother and I, I said, look, we're starting a ghost hunting group. Do you want to be a part of it? Cause he was always had interest in stuff like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So he said, yeah, sure. So that's, that's how we started. You know, it was just four of us was me, Keith, my younger brother and his wife. And uh, that's how the New Orleans ghost hunter started. And my goal was to, Capture evidence that validated the experiences I had, and by I mean mm-hmm. by validate, I mean capture something to say yes, what you saw was real, or not capture anything at all and say no, it was your imagination. This stuff really mm-hmm. doesn't exist. Because I, even though experiencing this stuff, I was really skeptical. And our very first investigation, we captured a little girl talking to my brother, and uh, wow. it was because of that one EVP that we captured that you know we're, we're still here, here today. In fact, when we did the investigation and we left, you know, we didn't have nothing. Not one blink on a K2 meter, nothing at all. And I remember t- telling everybody, you know, this goes on stuff is a bunch of BS. We didn't capture anything, <laughs> you know, it, it, nothing <laughs> could have happen- happened. And it was about two hours in going through the evidence when I heard this little girl talking to my brother. And I was like, whoa, we captured EVP. There is stuff out there. So, like I said, that was that's kind of you know kept us going and while we're still around today. In fact, I thought we were going to be around maybe, I don't know, two or three years, have a handful of investigations. Uh, then I think we would still be going strong, you know, 10, 11 years later, being on wow. television shows, you know, talking at libraries about the paranormal. We even had our own radio show in the Orleans at one time. Wow. So, uh, Yes, I mean yeah, we've gone a lot further than we than we thought we'd ever go. And as long as things keep happening for us, you know, we're gonna we're gonna keep on doing this.
1: I can imagine in New Orleans, South Louisiana, there's a lot that you can investigate. How do you decide what you want to do?
0: You would think a lot of people think that there's a lot to investigate, which there is, but it there's it's very difficult getting access to a lot of these locations. Mm. Um You know, when we first put our our, our Facebook page up, I got contacted by um, several uh, people that owned locations in the French Quarter or worked at them. And he said, hey, look, they give tours in front of our place all the time. The stories they're telling, we know nothing about that. That isn't true that they're making it up. So I got the idea. Why don't I just contact a lot of these haunted places in the French Quarter? In fact, I came up with a list of like 86 of them that's supposedly haunted. And I contacted awesome. them, and I said, you know, and my purpose was to investigate them to find out if the legends were true or not about them. Are they really haunted? Every one of them turned us down.
1: Why? Why do you think they did? We have
0: no explanation for it. it. It is extremely difficult to get into locations in the French Quarter and New Orleans to investigate, and we have no explanation for it. I wonder, fact,
1: do you think they it, like the legend? They want to hold on to the legend. They're afraid that you'll disprove it.
0: Uh, we we don't we don't know. In fact, if you if you invest, you know, do a lot of Internet research, you find out there's little very little evidence of any of these places being investigated by any groups. And it's because they just don't allow access to them. And like and like hmm. I said, we really don't know why. You know, we just want to go in there and validate are the stories true or not. And yeah. we just we just can't, cannot get access to them.
1: That's so interesting. Yeah. Uh- I would have thought they would have been eager to have you guys in
0: there. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we thought so, too. But, no, it, it, it's extremely difficult. We, we might look out every now and then, and they may ask us to come in and investigate, but that's mm-hmm. very, very rare, you know.
1: So what do you think, if you had to pick a favorite, a place that you have investigated so far, what would you say your favorite is?
0: Oh, gee, one of my favorites, it's not even in New Orleans, would have to probably be uh Fort Morgan. In Gulf Shores, Alabama, Sonomobile Bay. Mm-hmm. It's where um, they had a silk. In fact, actually, it was originally Fort Bauer, and it's where Andrew Jackson fought the British right before the Battle of New Orleans. And then he hightailed it over to New Orleans to fight the British at the Battle of New Orleans. But it was also used for the Civil War. And that's where Farragut ran into a, uh, his ship, ran to Amman, and he said, you know, or torpedo, he said, damn it, torpedoes full speed ahead. So that's the location where that actually came from. Oh, okay. and we, invested, we We actually got access to investigate it for a whole night. We had it from five o'clock when it closed to six or seven o'clock the next morning. And we investigated the whole night and we were burned out the next day. I bet. And yes, we got some pretty fascinating evidence. There's there's something going on at fort. There's some spooky activity going on at that fort.
1: That's interesting. I I love I mean, just, I love that there was actually something there. I mean, you want there to be something there. I mean, I think that would be my, my downfall, I guess you would say as, as a ghost hunter is I would be so disappointed if I went and there was nothing there. I mean, I, I, I'm, I believe in all of that. I absolutely do. I've, I've seen enough. I've been around enough. I'm like you, it's like, it doesn't phase me anymore. It's just kind of like, eh, that, that. that's that, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, and I mean, I love that stuff. But I, I think if I went to go do that, I'd be really sad if I didn't find anything. Um, I mean, do you feel disappointed sometimes? Like you, you hoped that there would be something, and you didn't find anything, or do you just go in objectively all the time?
0: No, we go in objectively. We just we just go where the you know what the evidence, what the evidence shows. Uh, I'm. Still doing this after 10, 11 years, I'm still very skeptical. A lot of evidence we capture, I'm still very skeptical about it. You know, is there an, uh, a logical explanation to it? Mm-hmm. Um, get, getting back to Fort Morgan, uh, before we went in and invest, two weeks before we went in and investigated, my brother and I went to check it out because we always like to go into someplace prepared. We like to know how to lay out of it and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a good thing we did because we only had one electrical outlet that we could find that we had to use to power all of our, oh, our wow. equipment. So we walked around, scouting out the fort, learned the layout of it and stuff. And we actually walked into this very dark room where he used to store the ammunition. And my brother was about five feet in front of me. And over his right shoulder, this little tiny green ball of light appeared out of nowhere. And it shot over his right shoulder and past me. And I turned and watched it fly out the door. And I still believe it was an orb. And it, it, it was kind of like a comet that had a tail on it. And it's nothing like you see in photos, you know, that are mm-hmm. nothing more than dust, dust particles or pollen particles. It's like these white balls. This is actually a green glowing ball of light that flew past us. Wow. So when we went in two weeks later and we were setting up the equipment, it was in that general area that I, I came face-to-face with an apparition. Uh, we really? Was, yes. We were, setting up, um, we were setting up the cameras on a second second level and we had him hooked to a a monitor. And I told my brother, I said, look, wait here. I'm gonna run down and get the two-way radio so I can tell you where to aim the camera. And I ran down the steps and I turned the corner and I went into the command center and standing in the middle of the room was this apparition about five feet tall. He was about a foot off the ground. And we kind of stood looked looked at each other for about a second or two and I watched it whisk away through a door, it turned a corner, went down a hallway. Now, had it, had it just disappeared, I would have went, yeah, yeah, you know, it's just a play mm-hmm. of light, going from light into darkness. But to actually watch it whisk away and and turn a corner, no, there was something there. And okay. I immediately started yelling, "Hey guys, I saw something. There's something in the trunk." And two investigators came running, and they went down the hall to see if they could find anything. And they kept saying. They were hearing talking, but they don't know where it was coming from. Mm. So there was, you know, something going on there.
1: Absolutely.
0: But do you have we, any um,
1: idea who that might have been? I mean, yeah. just a soldier no,
0: or no, no idea. Uh, we we experienced, you know, glowing light in in the fort that that we couldn't explain. Uh, so there was there was something going on in, on in that fort, and you know, we we caught some interesting EVP. So uh, we'd like to go back and investigate it. And we know for a while. had closed it down to ghost hunters Mm -hmm. um because um they were kind of um vandalizing the fort when they were there so they said they said no more so they kind of closed it down to investigators so Mm -hmm. hopefully they they may let us come back in and investigate it
1: i hope that they do because that is fascinating I, i love that you found something that it made it worth the trip out there i mean i know it's it's worth the trip for you guys anyway because you enjoy the hunt but it's so awesome when you have that reward as well just to say okay we're going to keep going this is we're finding things we want to keep doing this so when you i mean the fort you know that was you know that was an interesting thing for you to investigate do you have people who reach out to you and say i think there's something going on in my house can you come and see what's what's happening here
0: yeah that's about that's about 95 of the cases people call us and say look i think i'm hearing stuff i think i'm seeing stuff can you guys come in and just see what you can find And we we go in just to see if we can find anomalous activity, you know, and more often than not, yes, we find something. It's mostly in the form of EVPs. Mm -hmm. You know, we we get some type of voice talking to us, and we tell the people, hey, look, this is what we found. We don't know what it is. We don't know why it's here. We we haven't been able to determine that. But, yes, there is some activity going on. And they listen to it, and they go, oh, cool. I'm not not going crazy. It wasn't my imagination. And – they're fine with it. That's, that's really all they want to know.
1: Do you ever find anything that's dangerous, that you feel like, mm-hmm. okay, this could cause you any harm, or do you typically what you find is just, okay, there's something else existing here, but it seems to be coexisting, and you're fine.
0: Yeah, basically that's all it is just coexisting. We're not saying there's nothing that's harmful out there. We're just saying we never experienced anything. Um, you know, one of uh, a story I always tell is that we um, – who asked to come and investigate a residence, not too far from where I live. It was a 13-year-old girl, and her, uh, she was saying she was hearing voices in the house. So um, they, they brought the child to um, to, the, to the pediatrician, and he said, no, this is beyond me. You need to bring it to a psychiatrist. And uh, they went to a psychiatrist, and they thought she might have been – having, you know, mental issues or whatever. And he actually, they put her on medication. Mm-hmm. So when I went there for the preliminary, preliminary investigation, I'm talking to the little girl and you can see her eyes are glassy. You can mm-hmm. see she's on medication. She's kind of out of it and stuff. Yeah. Well, why the mother called us in was because she was home alone and she swore that she heard a little girl yell mommy. And she says, well, maybe there is something here. So she called us in to see if we could find anything. Lo and behold, in the bedroom next to her daughters, we got twice, we got EVPs of a little girl saying my name, David. Oh, wow. So I I played it for her, and I said, look, there is something going on here. There is voices in this house. Your daughter does not have to be on medication. She is actually hearing voices. And I played it for the lady. And I said, but I don't know why she's saying my name. And she thought for a second and she says, well, maybe she's not saying your name. She says, my stepson comes, lives with us in the summertime and he sleeps in that bedroom and his name is David. Oh. So it, whatever was there might have been actually saying his name or calling him, not, you know, not me. But we give a we give the lady a copy of everything. And we said, look, bring this to a to psychiatrist. Your daughter does not need to be on this medication, you know, and. Mm-hmm. But we kind of lost contact with her, and we don't we don't know what happened, you know. So anyway, it would so be I interesting. That, that was kind of our purpose, you yeah. know. You know, maybe we we'll, we we'll call to this for a reason, maybe to cross paths with this little girl, and you know, and, and and help her out. But you never know.
1: I have I've experienced those things too. Um, it's one of the reasons why I. I'm totally on board with with all of this. I've had those very similar experiences. Um, I've had various experiences all my life. But I actually had, um, I was having weird experiences for a while. I would be woken up from my sleep hearing someone calling my name. And my kids, it would happen most often when my children were not at home. They would go spend the night with my mother. And it, it would wake me up. I was doing dishes one day, and I I heard a little voice upstairs say "Mom, Mama," and I it's not clear enough that I called back because I, I you know in that moment forgot my kids weren't up there. You know I, I'm gonna answer the voice. It's like wait a minute, my kids aren't here. And over time, different little things would happen, and it actually kind of led me back to I miscarried a child on Mother's Day between my oldest two children. And it was a little girl and I would named her Mary and various things led me back to Mary. So it was like, she was trying to get my attention. You know, I was alone in the house. She, it was her opportunity to talk to me and it was kind of her letting me know, Hey, I'm still here. So, you know, that the mama at that kind of As soon as she said that, I was like, I've had that same thing happen. But for me, I eventually worked back to, I knew who that was. It it took some, it took some doing and some other clues to kind of lead me to her. But I was like, that's who that is. It's that child is trying to get my attention. And it was, again, it was not alarming in any way. It's just more, you know, Hey mama, I'm here. You know, I'm, I'm still here. And she was calling from upstairs Which is where my children's bedrooms were. And I kind of felt like she's letting me know, hey, I'm up here with the kids. It's okay. I'm here with them. And there was some peace in that when I finally realized who that little voice was. And it was kind of a it was a very special thing for me to have that experience.
0: Kind of relating to that, being from New Orleans, I'm Catholic, you know, and um, I'm not a very good Catholic, but I'm Catholic. (laughs) You know, I believe in God and Jesus and stuff, but When we investigate, we take religion, everything out of it. We're on a pure fact-finding mission. What does the evidence show? And uh, since I've been doing this, I believe in the afterlife more than ever because stuff I'm seeing, uh, especially the EVPs, the voices that I'm hearing, they have to be coming from someplace. Now, you know, the theory is that, yeah, you know, ghosts, spirits, whatever, they're energy, but energy doesn't have – intelligence behind it you know if, if you ask a question you get an answer That can't be energy what it has to be an intelligence behind that to mm-hmm. respond to you and this is just me just my theory you know but i believe that it's coming from a dimension that we consider to be heaven that's mm-hmm. where the intelligence is, is coming from but its okay. existence here on earth is energy so that so that's like i said mm-hmm. that's just me you know from my, my experience i may be completely wrong but and that's where the beauty this,
1: of it, right? Where we is this intelligence
0: know. coming from? Where are these? Where is this? These, you know, these voices coming from it has to be mm-hmm. has to be coming from someplace.
1: Exactly. And uh, uh, another show, another day um, in October. My friend Willow, who's also done some paranormal investigations, she and I had an experience at the um, the Jean Lafitte, Lafitte guesthouse
0: on Bourbon. Oh, okay, yeah, we we investigated that.
1: I was just. I went down there and I'm going, I hope something happens. I'm going to put it, my luck, it won't. But we had some great things going on that night. And it was such a cool experience. But again, there was intelligence. And that's something that to me is so fascinating about all of this because that intelligence, you know, we asked questions and got got actual auditory answers you know they they would respond you know do you know our names and they said both of our names and you know what is your name and you know, we were able to ask them questions and they would respond and there is intelligence there for those you know they were literally having you know a stilted abbreviated conversation but there were answers i mean after a moment of kind of waiting on them to kind of put it all together but they were answering questions and maybe in one word it was you know they couldn't it wasn't a big long sentence we weren't having a chat here but actually the the words that we were getting made sense with what we had asked so yeah there's that feeling of intelligence with that very much so and i, I, I agree with you I think there i think there's a lot of energy that's maybe an imprint where it's kind of that thing on repeat that mm-hmm. you know that right. might simply be an energetic imprint right. that's reenacting than the ever. scene but when you actually have someone responding to something that you have vocalized and put out there, there is definitely an intelligence behind that. And so you do have to kind of question where is that coming from?
0: Well, you know, um, I was talking about our first investigation, we caught the EVP, my brother was in a master bedroom and he was asking, he's, you know, I won't take your picture if you don't want to take it. And he, cause he was in a room, he put a, put a digital recorder and he had a infrared camera and he was just snapping pictures. And clear as day, you can hear a little girl tell him to go away. Oh. And um, and we're, we're like, whoa, you know, something here is responding to you. So yeah, there is there is some type of intelligence behind this, you know. So, like mm-hmm. I said, where is this coming from? I guess that's why I'm still doing this, just to find out, you know, where is it where's it coming from? You know, why is it why is it happening?
1: Mm-hmm. Um
0: something's gonna hit on my mile's gonna tip. Oh, um you saw. Uh, the feed guest house um mm-hmm. where did you capture that those those voices was it on a second floor
1: yes second floor room, room
0: 21 20, room, oh 21 because no i know it's also room 22 It's right at the foot of the stairs
1: mm-hmm. yep they're both yeah. right there yeah. next to each other Right, um, 21 right. and 22 um and the chandelier we have uh, actually have video of the chandelier there was and i was there the night before hurricane delta moved in. No one else was staying in the hotel. I was the only guest at the hotel because I'm the only person that goes to New Orleans when it's about to get hit by a hurricane. Everybody else was going away from New Orleans. So I was the only guest there. The, you know, the people who own it were in the back part, the other part of the building. So there was no one above us. There was no one on the third floor. There was no one in the rooms on either side. It was just me. And the chandelier would move. Uh, heard about in, that. The chandelier would move. And I'd just lay you know, in the morning it was moving. I kind of woke up and I'm just watching the chandelier move. Nobody walking around. You know, the air conditioning was off. It was, you know, there was nothing that could have been causing that chandelier to do what it was doing. I mean, we and we were doing the same thing. We we're trying to find you know what could be causing this because we didn't want to get sucked in and you know, we didn't want to look stupid. <laughs> so it was like, we're going to look and see what we can. What can we disprove before we actually get excited about this being what we actually are, are seeing? And the chandelier—it's—it's it's a little hard to—it's a little hard to say that that was not what it what it, we expected it to be. I mean, that that chandelier was moving, but it would stop every now and then. It would stop, and then it would move again. It was almost like, mm-hmm. you know, letting us know there was something moving that chandelier. It, it could stop it if it wanted to. Um, but it was such a fascinating experience. The Lafitte Guest House is truly intriguing. It's a beautiful place to stay anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but that second floor, there's there's well, definitely things going on that second floor.
0: Well, do they still have right by room 21 at the foot of the stairs, I think it's to the left. Do they still have that little kitchenette area? Yes. It was, it was a little, Yeah, because uh, we have one of our investigators, he walked through that kitchenette area out onto the balcony mm-hmm. to smoke a cigarette. And he swore that he watched the door swing inward like something walked through it. And he says, and there was nobody there. And he said a yeah. few seconds later, it swung back open the other way like somebody was walking out. But since he had walked out there to smoke a cigarette, he wasn't expecting it. So he didn't bring right. any equipment with him. Uh- <laughs> so he, so we, 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 didn't, we didn't capture it, so.
1: Oh, uh, see, that's, we, didn't ca- we didn't capture everything. I mean, one of the things that, I wish, I mean, nobody would have believed this anyway, but it was one of those things that, and we'll talk about, Willow and I, we'll talk about this again, just so you know I'm, I'm not making this up. When we left, we, we kind of met there and kind of got settled in and kind of talked for a little bit about what we wanted to do when we came back and we, you know, we were going to investigate a little bit. But I was the only one there. Again, it was late. I'd just flown in. And so we left and I locked up I turned the light off. You know, no, I left the light on. Have it backwards. I left the light on because I was like, I'm not gonna walk back into this room in the dark, like knowing that this place has got some stuff going on. So I left the light switch on, and I locked the door. I didn't say anything to Willow about it. I did not say, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna leave this on because I'm freaked out about this room." But I left the light switch on, locked the door. It was old, you know. It's the key locks. There's no cards. There's no the key. They had, you know, that was my key. And they had gone on to bed though. The ones, the people who own it had gone on to bed because it was late. So we went and we walked around for a little while trying to find something to eat. But with COVID and Delta, everything was kind of boarded up. We finally found some food down a little further down on bourbon. So we, we had some food and we came back. And of course I had to like, you know, have the code to get in the door because nobody's awake. And I opened up the door and the light switch was off. <laughs> it's like, I know, and I stopped at the door and I kind of looked and Willow looked at me and she said, you left that light on. I said, I did leave that light on because I didn't want to walk back into a dark room. And she said, I know that light's not on anymore. No, it's not. So the the switch had been flipped and it was just kind of funny because it was almost like the voices that we got um, were children. It was interesting. It was children at one point it had been used as an orphanage for the you know the children of victims of yellow fever. Exactly so it was children's right, voices right. and one in particular, little Sarah, really took a, a liking to me. And so I played with Sarah all night. I played with her in the morning. I mean, she was doing all kinds of things. She loved my phone, she'd do crazy things to my technology. It just make my phone do weird things all the time. She seems to like that. But I think somewhere in that it was like i'm going to play a joke it was like they were they were being mischievous it was just little kids like how she left the light on i'm going to turn it off <laughs> it's like it was just kind of fun things and again it was it was entertaining it was not i never felt uncomfortable i never felt like i was in danger of anything it was more completely interested in it and what are they going to do next you know and there, there was not that fear. I never felt like I was in the presence of something that that could be dangerous in any way. It just felt like mischief.
0: Well, that's the reputation of the hauntings that they believe it's it's a little girl or it's children, and it's believed that a little girl died in room twenty one or twenty two of mm-hmm. yellow fever. Yeah, because New yep. Orleans had, and many, that's what she many-
1: said. We asked her how she died,
0: yeah, and um, she said her
1: name was Sarah, and she okay. said she died because she she said we said we asked her, do you know how you died? How did you die? And she said sick. And so we, okay. she died of
0: yellow fever. Yeah, because we're also going through several. would go through, you know, yellow fever epidemics every every mm-hmm. summer because of the heat and because of the water. It was just a breeding ground for mosquitoes. Oh yeah. In 1853 was one of the worst epidemics. That's why 1853 has a reputation, you know, for all the ghosts coming from that from mm-hmm. that time period. But yeah, you 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 possibly could have um, experienced it. In fact, I think we just got a couple of. It sounded like voices, but they were very it, you couldn't understand what they were saying. Mm-hmm.
1: She was very, very clear and there was a man named um, Philippe who fell and I don't know if he was doing some work. he never he didn't talk to us much. It was just he said his name and he said that he fell. But Sarah, the little girl, was chatty and and was entertained and I knew that there was a possibility of children in that house. So I went and bought I had a ball. And I had a little porcelain doll. And so I brought them to her. And that's, you know, here's, I brought toys for you. And I actually left them in the room. I don't know if housekeeping ever found them because I tucked them back in a, there was a tight, tight corner and the curtains were there. And I tucked them back behind the curtain. I told her I was leaving her toys for her. So it was kind of like she became my little buddy <laughs> for that stay there because she kept, we had, you know, we had the, the meter and, boy, that thing would spike like crazy, and then the chandelier would move. It's like, Sarah's playing again. And so, but she was a comforting little little spirit. And I think maybe if she was a child who died, maybe she enjoyed having somebody that was there to play with her, you know? And and so that's why she was so active. It was like, I'm here to play with you. I'm I, You have my attention. And she enjoyed that, I think. So... Sarah and I had a good time that night in room 21 at the Lippy Guest House.
0: Well, I, <laughs> I, I thoroughly kind of, enjoyed it. Something kind of relates to that, in this kind of a two-part story. Are, are you familiar with the Bourbon Orleans Hotel, the stories of the Bourbon Orleans Hotel? <laughs> oh, yeah. On the sixth floor is the haunted floor where they believe the, the, the ghost children run around. Well, it was thir- 13, 2013 or 2014, can't remember when, they, act, they asked us to come in. For a three day weekend and investigated, and they opened it up to the public to come in and participate with us. And for that, they gave us two rooms on the sixth floor to stay in. So uh, um, it was me, and my brother, you know, the, 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 the investigative team, and my, mm-hmm. my sister in law and my brother's two kids. I think one was four and one was six at the time. And my sister in law was walking out the room with the two kids. And she saw at the end of the hallway, two kids run across the hallway. And she says, oh, good. They have kids here that you know, my kids could play with while we were investigating. And she walked down to the end of the hall to see if she could find them. And she realized they ran through a wall. Oh because the hallway, the hallway turned right. Well, they went from her right to left. And she says, they ran through the wall. So we think she may have witnessed two of the ghost children. Now, what's interesting, about two or three years ago, there was a paranormal show in town filming, and they were staying at the Bourbon Orleans Hotel, and they asked me to come in, and they interviewed me, and was, you know, just to talk, tell about the stories that we, you know, from the experiences we had while investigating them, mm-hmm. and except, investigating there. So, we were in the elevator, and we're going up to the sixth floor, and I'm telling them the story of what happened with my sister-in-law, you know, with the kids in the hallway and stuff, and that was sixth floor, is haunted and stuff, and... The elevator door opens, and right as I clear the threshold of the doors, the elevator doors, and it's like in a little alcove, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I see this little kid standing there. And all of a sudden, he takes off in a flash. But he he kind of like whisked away really fast. And my first reaction was, I gotta see what this is. I gotta see what this kid's doing here. (laughs) And I ran and I looked down the hallway. And there's nothing there because I was expecting to see like kids playing a prank on us, playing a yeah. prank on people getting out the elevator. And, but it all happened so fast. I really didn't have time to think. I just kind of reacted. Mm-hmm. And I looked to my right, expecting to see like a family walking down the hallway with kids. I didn't like, see anything. I after kid.
1: Yeah. And I looked to my left,
0: maybe expecting to see some kids hiding in the doorway. There was nothing. And then I kind of start thinking about what actually happened because it happened so fast that I think I may have witnessed one of the kids ghosts. So he might have been standing in an alcove and I happened to catch him when I walked out the elevator. Wow. And they were actually filming this. The cameraman was standing behind me filming this when it happened. But oh. he, the angle he was on, he didn't actually, he wasn't able to capture the doorway <laughs> in the alcove. So he, so he missed it. But they do have me running and looking down the hallway and looking both directions and kind of, perplexed, like what just happened, you know? So unfortunately we didn't capture that on, on video. <laughs> but what well, my sister-in-law, there were, uh, she was packing up, getting ready to leave that Sunday night and she couldn't find her watch. And she says, I know I had my watch in the room. I don't know where the watch is at. And she looked at her room, she couldn't find it. She had my niece and my nephew, they tore that room apart they could not find the watch. She says, I know I had it. It was sitting there on a dress with my other stuff. The watch is gone. She had no explanation for it. So uh, when she was leaving, she kind of jokingly looked back into the room and said, I want my watch back. So they left. They went home and stuff. So they, um, my brother's in, a, in the living room watching television. My sister-in-law's in the bedroom unpacking. And she walks into the living room. She goes, you're not going to believe it, but I found my watch. <laughs> my Brother goes, where was it at? She goes, it was sitting on top of the clothes in the suitcase. And she wow. says, I don't know how many times I looked through the suitcase. The watch was not there. We could not find a watch in the room. And it just, according to her, it mysteriously appeared on top of the clothes in the suitcase. Right when she opened it up, it was sitting right there on the top.
1: I mean, she wasn't gonna miss that.
0: No, <laughs> I mean, when so, she's, up, she's not gonna miss you know, that. Also, could she have made a mistake and put it there and forgot she put it there? But she swears she looked at a suitcase. She would have seen if it was sitting right on the top. You know, the kids yeah. would have seen it. But that was just so you know a strange occurrence.
1: That's wild. That is wild, David. I, I'm gonna have to have you back to tell some more stories because we oh, can I tell these stories back. all night long. I so. love
0: coming back because I have so much more to tell you.
1: Good, 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 good. All right. So we are going to have to look at our schedule and see when we can get you back on because I want to hear more about these stories. This is my jam. I love this stuff. And I know that our viewers and our listeners are just they're eating this up too. So we want to have you back very, very soon to hear some more of your stories. Um, But for now, but then, good thank you so so very much for no, being no a guest on all. this show i've truly enjoyed this and thank you so much for joining us for our our little adventure at the cemetery in michigan as well so it's been truly my pleasure and truly a joy talking to you and i look forward to talking to you again soon so thank you so all very right. much all right this you're is- going
0: to be on a little bit after this
1: I sure will. I'll stick around after we, after we close out. So thank you very much to David Lavelle with new Orleans ghost hunters and until next time guys.
0: Alrighty. Dead Folks Tales is a copywritten podcast of authors on the air global radio network. Special thanks to producer Roman Surriton and executive producer Pam Stack. Join us next week for another episode of Dead Folks Tales.